U.S. stocks pushing lower, bond yields higher, particularly for two-year treasuries. So can we expect the Fed to reach a higher terminal rate as they struggle to beat inflation? All the indicators are showing it's taking a long time, and the hope of a soft landing is getting less likely by the day. Uh, We'll look at yesterday's employment data from Australia plus New Zealand GDP and look ahead at the plethora of Chinese data available today. And how did Putin and President Xi get on yesterday? It's Friday, the 16th of September, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are down today at 1.4% falling the Nasdaq at close, 1.1% off the S&P 500, just above 3,900 now, and a 0.6% fall on the Dow. Europe is generally down. We've got a 0.7% fall in the Euro stocks 50, the DAX half percent down, the FTSE 100, a marginal gain, but less than 0.1% up. Curiously, the VIX, the fear index, only around 26. It has been close to 35 just a, a few months ago, so it's relatively low given all of that activity that we're seeing in the share markets. Bond yields are generally up. Another four basis points on 10-year treasuries, up to 3.45% now. Two years, up nine basis points to 3.87%, a bit higher than that earlier. German 10-year bonds are up five basis points, but a 12 basis point rise in two years. Aussie 10 years were up five basis points yesterday, up to 3.68%, but they reversed almost all of that in futures overnight. Uh, the US dollar hasn't moved too much on the DXY, but we've seen the pound down 0.6%, the Aussie dollar's down 0.6%. 0.7%. The Aussie now worth 67 US cents. The euro is up a little, but, you know, less than 0.2% up. The US dollar is up 0.3% on the yen and half percent up on the yuan. And big falls in oil prices. WTI down 3.8%, a 3.5% fall in Brent, now just over $90 a barrel. So some fairly big moves this morning. NAB's Gavin Friend joins me in London. So shares heading south again. But, I mean, the most telling number out of all of that surely is that rise in two-year Treasury yields, isn't it? Just one point away from 3.9% now during the overnight session, creating towards 4%. It's now at the highest it's been since October 2007. So how's the Fed going to be taking all this? I mean, does this mean that their terminal rate, which is around 4%, a bit lower than that, you know, they're going to they're going to be having to push that higher? I mean, the market clearly is expecting that they will. Morning, Phil. Yeah, I think markets continue to trade in the shadow of Tuesday's US CPI. Outside surprise. Um, and when we had some mixed data today, uh, yields did come down initially, but they've reversed back up, as you say, and we're, we're approaching that 4% level now. Um, you know, the Fed meets next week. We know that in their uh, forecasts three months ago, they were looking for, in the dot plots, um, breaks to end this year, sort of around about uh, 3.4%, um, and for next year, 2023, to about 3.8%. You know, So we're likely to see those dot plots, uh, figures, estimates pushed back, pushed pushed up, uh, you know, above 4%, to 4% for this year, I would say, and then and maybe above 4% for next year. That's certainly the case. You know, you've seen plenty of commentary from Fed officials signaling that, that that's where they're going. Markets are pricing. Uh, U.S. rates going above 4% as early as December um, before they kind of start to plateau, um, you know, before mid-year next year and then come and then come down slightly. But of course, the, the, the argument will be with sticky inflation and we keep getting yeah. evidence of this, that they'll have to stay higher for longer. Well, I mean, there's, there's some people who are saying, how can you tame inflation, you know, inflation if it's around 8% or more? How can you tame that with, you know, those people who actually believe raising rates is the way to tame inflation? Obviously, there's, you know, a lot of people also saying, well, this isn't going to work because it's, it's, uh, it's all supply driven. But if you believe that this is the way to do it, can you tame inflation, which is uh, 8 or 9% with, with, with interest rates, which are 
below 4%. I mean, you know, some people are saying it would have to actually be much higher than that to try and do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm aware of that commentary. But of course, the Fed would argue that, um, you know, what it's doing is tightening conditions. We're seeing that in, you know, some quite uh, sizable stock market declines. Mortgage rates are going back above uh, 6% now in the US. And all these all these issues, all these tighter conditions will have an impact on demand, you know, and start to, as, as because of um, negative income growth, you know, we'll start to eat into those excess savings. And so... But retail sales in August that, were up, weren't they? I mean, you take cars out of the equation, they were down 0.3%, but, uh, you know, the top level figure figure was up. So, I mean, it's it's taking a long time to happen. Well, I mean, I, yeah, the, the, actually, I think, you know, it's worth looking at those retail sales numbers. So the headline, as you say, was up 0.3% and um, the market was looking for down a tenth. So that looked quite good but then look at the revision down four tenths look at sales x autos they were down 0.5 versus a flat forecast x autos and, and, and gas that measure it came in at 0.3 versus a 0.5 forecast and another four tenth downward revision the control group which feeds is the measure that feeds closest into gdp was flat versus a 0.5 forecast and another 0.4 downward revision so the detail was certainly weaker than the headline measure and the read through of course from that is that um, there'll be a sort of a tug down on on gdp all else equal uh, from that reading and it's you know perhaps no surprise that the amount of fed gdp now has come out and adjusted to 0.5 from 1.3 that's why we saw yields initially i mean there were other data released at the same time which was mixed we had stronger labour market uh, numbers in terms of the uh, weekly jobless claims, which fell again. We had a stronger bounce um, on the uh, Empire, um, uh, the uh, Empire uh, New York manufacturing index. You know, that was that was that was a bit better, really on new orders. Prices were down a bit, employment unchanged. But if you looked at the the Philly Fed uh, business index. Yes, big, big fall. Big fall to minus almost minus 10 from 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 up six. Yeah. So, so mixed numbers, but then it was but minus twelve point three in July. So it's a bit all yeah, over the place, isn't it? It is. It is a very volatile indicator. The market clearly will dial in on, you know, the retail sales. That's the most important. And there, as I say, the read through message is is a downward tug on GDP. All else equal. So, yeah. you know, yields pull back a little bit across the board. And now they've marched higher, as, as, as we've said, because we're still in the shadow of that CPI print. Yeah, and, uh, and what we're going to hear from the Fed next week, all of this is, you know, you know, coming together now, isn't it? Well, it is, it is, but it is mixed news. As you say that, you know, and be, behind every headline number, there's something else that's either concerning or, or, or rewarding. So the Philly Fed, new orders, I mean, that was the big number out of that, fell 13 points to minus 17.6. So it's, uh, but on the positive side, five consecutive months, the prices paid index has been falling. So that would be an indicator that, you know, I mean, maybe inflation is cooling. So you can uh, you can take your position and choose the stats to support it, can't you, at the moment? You can, you can. Um, but we keep getting, you know, other evidence elsewhere around the world that, you know, um, ECB, so the central banks um, need to tighten. We had a few, uh, a couple of ECB um, uh, governors out today. Um Central Bank of Ireland's Governor uh, McLeod talking about you know the, the absolute necessity to raise rates because um, because persistent inflation is damaging macroeconomic stability um, and you know the community's sort of you know longer term living standards. I mean that's the theme that you would hear really from uh, from Jay Powell at the Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, his colleague, um, ECB um, Vice President uh, De Windos, you know, talked about the the, the the fact that the ECB has got to be determined uh, to combat record inflation. Um, you know, he agreed that the euro area isn't facing the sort of classic demand-driven overheating 
example that we might you know describe the us to be but um policy at the moment is still very accommodative so you know that's given actually we talk about the dollar just now the dollar is pretty much well it's it's hasn't moved a lot on the day it's up for choice against most of the major currencies except for the euro which is pretty flat and i think that's that's mm. probably the reason reason why that's that's doing that the other the other issue of course is that you know markets are still very much focused on what's coming out of europe in terms of the energy price caps and the debate there and um will it work and um might it lead to um uh, for all its you know, intents and purposes in bringing prices down, might it lead to shortages in, in the energy market? Because that's, if that's what you want to do, whether you take the EU model, uh, which is this kind of levy on um, the revenues or excess profits that the companies are going to produce in the inframarginal, those guys that are producing energy using renewables and nuclear and uh, coal and that kind of thing, or whether you use the UK model, which is a price cap. Yeah. Uh, both of those model, both of those approaches uh, potentially will squeeze out the marginal producer. Those guys that are producing energy, um, power, electricity with gas uh, will find their business model squeezed, particularly under the European model. Uh, mm. Not so much perhaps under the UK model because the UK government is going to be the, the buyer, the buyer at the back that's basically so, going to say that, you know, that they're going to pick up the price, whatever it is. So it could squeeze supply. So, so I mean, it could be doubly bad. It's squeezing supply, well, yes. and then there's nothing well, in these models. We could we could spend an hour talking about this, so we should yeah. probably move on. But you're squeezing supply, and you're potentially not doing anything to decrease demand. That's the big problem, isn't it? Well, Which, prices will prices will de- decrease demand. We shouldn't forget that both both areas are looking to really break up this model, this marginal pricing model, which will have an impact, I'm sure of it, mm. and some of the other measures they're doing. I mean, the prices are so eye-wateringly high still, whatever they're being capped at. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's gonna that's gonna force some demand destruction. So just quickly, um, but do, it's, do, it's, it's 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 shortage is in in periods of heavy use so if we get a cold winter it's the blackout uh, fear that's the issue but that's not driving the markets in the states so much is it so just quickly before we move off on the states so so is the expectation now that there's going to be a higher terminal rate is there a belief and that's why we're seeing for example the the, perhaps the fall in in oil prices that when you look at all this data things will soften that it it is going to be a hard landing rather than a soft landing or certainly not a very soft landing if if it is a soft landing it's, it's, it's going to be felt so the fed's going to go hard they're going to feel it there's going to be some sort of downturn is that what the expectation is is that what the market's telling us the market is split but if you look at things like uh, recession indicators look at the 210 curve what's happened this mm. week yeah. it's gone further inverted so we're now 40 42 basis points because that's the natural you know read through from a fed that needs to go harder you know you look at the way that the market is thinking about the cpi report for all the shock and what have you inflation is still coming down and you've got you know, strategists out there, economists out there saying, well, the market's overreacted to this. Um, it may well be, and it may well be that the reaction we're seeing is partly down to positioning and the way the market was positioned, both from a rates point of view, an equity point of view, and an FX point of view into that CPR report. But we haven't tracked back from that much, really, and we probably won't do because of the proximity of the Fed meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, so the, the jury is still out on this, and mm. it really depends on the message we get from Jay Powell. We, we all think we know what he's going to say because he's been pretty consistent in the last couple of outings. Um, you know, and, but, 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 you know, if, God forbid if he were to sort of, you know, nod to, you know, the success that the Fed is having so far and what have you, and at some point they will, we you know, move he, off of 75 basis points. I mean, the market not may well take that. Well, yeah. he, he, no, he, won't, he won't do, but, um, you know, the market, 
you know, will be pulled the other way then if he if he does yeah. that. So yeah, probably the safe yeah. bet is to just stick to the uh, stick to the script. Yeah. Now Australia's unemployment rate that's ticked up a little from three point four to three point five percent, with thirty three thousand or thirty three and a half thousand new jobs in August after that forty one thousand fall in July. Uh, but it's still a very tight labour market. So does this? Uh, I mean, these numbers don't really impact uh, what the RBA is going to do next. And I mean. Uh, you know, it's it, it, interesting. The RBA was forecasting an unemployment rate of three and a half percent for next year. So here we are, three and a half percent already. So uh, they're ahead of schedule. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, I mean this is the first rise in what ten months in the unemployment rate. Mm. Um, it's got some people, you know, wondering about the RBA. Um, but I think um, you know we are still a tenth above all time lows. The um, you know the detail on the sort of um, job. Uh, losses reversed the game from last time. The um, uh, um, participation rate is very, very steady and it has an elevated 66.6%. I mean, that, to your point, the labour market is still exceptionally tight. The yeah. business survey that was out earlier this week for August showed employment conditions at very elevated levels. And if we look at things like the seek data on job adverts, I mean, that's close to record levels and so, I don't know, 60 60 odd percent above pre-pandemic levels so mm. you know all of that suggests you know anecdotal evidence suggests that the rba keeps going on at the present rate but um um you know th- there is another view out there and um We'll see what plays out. Yeah. All right. Over the ditch, we had Q2 GDP for New Zealand. That was stronger than expected, 1.7% quarter on quarter. Uh, a lot of that, of course, was down to the uh, the easing of the COVID restrictions and the fact that people were allowed back into the country as well. I mean, if you look under the hood in that one, private consumption was falling 3.1%, business investment down 4%. So it wasn't it wasn't all good news. But look, we'll, let's look at China. So interesting things going on there. We've got a heap of Chinese data coming today, you know, industrial production, retail sales, fixed asset investment. And we are all looking and wondering, you know, where is China heading is it recovering from covid fast enough uh the us dollar broke uh, seven chinese yuan overnight uh which pretty much where it is now i mean the uh, the central bank there really are struggling to to, to fix this uh, weakening yuan aren't they yeah they are i mean partly of course this is a dollar story um and, but yeah. they're, they're they're frightened about the sort of signal it sends um you know, you'd, you'd imagine that. Um, so they've been intervening, you know, consistently now for sort of 16 days in a row to try and keep that off that off that move. At some point, of course, you know, we all recognise that the dollar on a PPP basis is incredibly overvalued, and it will turn around. Um, yeah. But they and the Japanese are, are are doing what they can do to try and uh, you know keep a keep a watchful eye on that. I mean, in terms of the Chinese data we've got coming up, you know, you you allude to the uh, the activity numbers we get um, mid month, every month. And recall last time round, with the exception of fixed asset investments, the um, industrial production, the retail sales numbers were were, were weaker. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at anecdotal evidence head, heading into this uh, month's numbers, there the, there were some notable pickups in things like um, electricity consumption, services sector activity, and this really right. on the back of things like uh, an exceptional uh, heat wave. Um, and so the read through from that is is that you might get a bit of a pop in these numbers on the back of that. But looking at the latest COVID restrictions, lockdown measures, and things, you, you you'd assume that that probably wouldn't be sustained. Oh. Um, but- <laughs> so I was just thinking it was all good news. Maybe the one's going to lose a bit, but it's uh, again a bit. Sorry, but uh, maybe, but early, maybe not. Early, then, early yeah. days for that. For, for, for a movie yeah. now, I think. So what about uh, what about Putin and Xi meeting in Uzbekistan uh, overnight? Uh, I mean, there's been much made of this. 
uh, in the news in your part of the world. I mean, Putin has said himself that China had questions and concerns over Russia's action in Ukraine. But, you know, that's he said that he volunteered. that. I mean, that's uh, I mean, they're still pretty tight on there. It's not going to stop China from buying from them. I'm sure they're going to continue enjoying lower priced gas and oil. Yeah, I mean, we can only guess at what those concerns and uh, questions are. I mean, um, you know, the two share this deep mistrust of the U.S. Um, you know, for whatever whatever concerns China has, um, that wasn't helped by the Nancy Pelosi visit to Taiwan recently. China's also been able to buy a lot of cheap Russian uh, oil, but China hasn't, as far as we know, sought to supply weapons or military equipment uh, that, that Russia increasingly appears to to need uh, in its in its in its war in Ukraine. And China knows, it, uh, and no doubt, it will be told again. If President Xi does meet President Biden at the G20 summit in November, that China stands to lose much more, uh, you know, if it goes further in supporting Russia, given the sort of trade relationship that um, that China still has with the US and with Europe. Uh, and that's why um, uh, perhaps, and I quote President Xi is saying, the two countries that he's referring to China and, and Russia, the two countries could inject stability and a positive energy into a world of chaos um well you know i mean call me an optimist but there's only one way that they're going to do that uh and that's why she convincing putin to to take an off-ramp um mm. i'm not sure beijing is following the latest i'm sorry well, that's what he means yeah unless yeah. he was thinking you know if, if america could just become communist the world would be a much better place yeah. Maybe I'm, that's I, what I, I'm sure beijing <laughs> is following the latest military developments in ukraine and the, the reports of mounting criticism back home in in, in, in the kremlin of the kremlin with interest <clears throat> the problem is if, if the kremlin did decide it's better to consolidate, hold referendums in the areas that it still controls, and then, uh, which it, you know it will clearly claim victory of, and then offer to take take that retreat, um, you know, uh, and and supply Europe with as much gas as it wants and power as it wants in in exchange for dropping the sanctions. The recent surge in Western optimism on the war, and you know Ukraine's growing confidence and defiance. I'm not sure that this would be a, an easy deal uh, a tr- you know a truce negotiation to broker it's going to it's going to take some time i mean we can we can be hopeful all of us but um yeah, long way. Yeah, know. long, long way. Look, yeah. look, Bloomberg, meanwhile, reporting today that the war might actually be boosting the, the Russian economy. Industrial production is up. The highest growth, finished metal goods up 30%. I wonder what that would be, finished metal goods. Uh, look, aside from all the uh, China numbers, we get the University of Michigan sentiment reading today, including their inflation expectations, uh, which will be rising, perhaps. New Zealand's manufacturing PMIs, UK retail sales, which are expected to fall. But we always keep on getting surprised by the UK. There's this strange resilience, despite everything, isn't there? Uh, we'll find out about that today as well. Yeah, well, the, the, the BRC stuff suggests uh, downside uh, risk, certainly, of uh, well, between 1% and 2% versus consensus 0.5%. So, as you say, we'll see. We'll see. Good. Okay, catch you soon, Gavin. Thanks for that. Cheers, Will. You know, my KPI, just to use a bit of corporate speak, is 15 minutes per episode. We have totally trounced that today. Uh, well, we'll do better next week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Catch you on Monday morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.